Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can help us reach a larger audience by rating and reviewing it on iTunes. It only takes a minute and makes a big difference. Thanks, and enjoy the episode. There is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. It lives to kill. A mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him jaws. Welcome to Movies, Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 18. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And as friends, we discovered Charles <laughs> enjoys movies, but other than major blockbusters from the last 15 years, he hasn't seen any. So as good friends, we decided to expose him to personal favorites and cinematic classics. And this week, we watched the 1975 movie Jaws. So Charles, tell us about Jaws. It's a little easier than yeah, Small Hall yeah, Drive. I think we're going to agree on what actually happened in this movie yeah. this time around. <laughs> yeah, so um, a quiet summer town in New England, or island, I guess, is terrorized by a shark. Amity. Yeah, Amity. and Means uh, three people get eaten before they decide to do something about it. <laughs> uh, and then uh, they go out on the boat and hunt the shark. Successfully. And they kill the shark. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mission accomplished. Check yep. it off. They, they kill it just like uh, James Bond <coughs> killed that dude in, uh, what was that, Live and Let Die, I think it was? I feel Jaws. like he probably killed a lot of people with explosives. Wait, no, he specifically <laughs> killed a guy by giving him an air canister. And oh, and blowing it up. Blow up. Oh, I no. thought you were referring to the, the character Jaws. The character Jaws in Bond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he has the metal teeth, that one. He does. Yeah. He appears in Moonraker and another one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. One in which he's bad and one in which he's good. <laughs> yeah, he was in the video game, too. Remember that? He was bigger than everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> related. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're right on track this episode. <laughs> Grassman, you picked Jaws, and I know you've been, you've mentioned it a few times. Yeah. Um, and it's a favorite, it sounds like. It is, yeah. So it's one of my favorites. What, what Not my favorite Spielberg movie, but... Okay, right, because that's favorites. Jurassic Park, right? Yes. Okay. Well, So what is it about Jaws that, that made you so um, I think... So, again, like, I have this fascination with, like, creature <laughs> effects, um, mm-hmm. which are kind of crappy in this movie, but... They're very uh, minimal. Like, the shark barely makes his appearance. I think that's why it's a good movie, Oh, yeah, actually. yeah. It's, that's yeah. an effective choice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, seems to be a common trait in all the best monster movies I've seen. The, you don't see that much of the monster. Right. It's a reward. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's a lot of it, actually, is that there's... Um, a lot of like tension in this movie that's that's built up through things that you don't see and yeah um there, like a lot of I'm, I'm not afraid of this movie any, anymore when i saw this as a kid it was terrifying and sure you probably went to the beach a lot yeah <laughs> yeah and I, yeah i grew up in maine which is like this is kind of like a Maine knockoff yeah. essentially yeah. and um uh yeah i mean that that like Fear of sharks in the ocean is definitely something I still experience, and I can attribute the, that pretty directly <laughs> to this movie. You know, I didn't yeah. even see this movie, but yeah. I always had like I, I feel like a lot of people have this fear where you're like swimming in the deep part of the pool, and you just imagine a shark coming out of the depths and getting you. Yeah, the fear of like the unknown, and you're yeah. so like out of your element in the water, and yeah. and I think this movie like really 
praise on that, that you have this like sort of like perfect machine that's like going to kill you as soon as you're in the water. Right. Well, and it's it, it's territory and not yours. Like because yeah. a, a lot of like space horror movies playing the same thing. Yes, right. Like you're just not on land anymore, and you can't. Yeah, you're not yourself. in like, you a no natural. Yeah, you're not in a yeah. natural environment to humans mm-hmm. and. Yeah, so I, I think this movie's good for that reason. I also think this movie's good because, like, it has such, like, great command of its plot and its characters. Oh, yeah. And you see a lot of early <clears throat> Spielberg elements mm-hmm. um, in how scenes are shot and how action is carried through the movie. and Especially the plotting, I think. Yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, so it takes actually what what is a fairly complex plot from a book and then distills it down to what we would be interested in yeah, as the, viewers. And, the essential parts. Yeah. 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 And uh, does that in, in a way that like puts a lot of movies to shame. And um, I, I think it, this movie builds int- in an interesting way on a lot of older movies or and movies of its time. So in the 70s, like movies become obsessed with these like eco thriller. Sure. Like giant animal does this like or many of animals do this and right. Spielberg just like throws all that in the garbage and just says this is how you make one of these movies and yeah. like puts everybody to shame yeah nobody learns that lesson subsequently and makes a bunch of terrible sequels to this movie yeah well and that, I yeah. mean that's kind of Spielberg's genius right he makes yeah. it look easy like all the greats in many yeah. fields right like they make it look easy and it's not like it's really hard it's hard yeah. to make a movie so, I mean, this movie, like, isn't without criticism. I think there's a few, like, easy things to take apart. Like, the shark, like, doesn't hold up very well. Yeah. Um, I thought it looked pretty good. It was all, it was all right. Yeah. Yeah. Then yeah. <laughs> um, the patriarchy is, like, in full effect in this Especially movie. the opening sequence. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it opens with this, like, gross act of violence against a woman that is, like, the way to let the audience in and draw sympathy and, Yeah. Yeah, and just, it's, like, it's, there's no clear, like, yeah. vocation for women in this yeah. movie other than a mother. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah. That's exclusively. And, and the, char- the and like, female babe. characters seem to be, like, in the way of the male characters, if anything. <clears throat> yeah, so. but, I mean, there's, like, the mother of the kid that gets eaten has a moment yeah. where she, you know, slaps their hero and, you know, like, is in the right. Uh, but other, even that, she's still acting as a mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and she doesn't have any, like... Um, what's the word for it? She doesn't have any like the agency, agency with, within her. Yeah, we world. never see her again after that. Like, yeah, that's the whole character. <laughs> Same thing with the wife, right? Like the wife doesn't do anything other than be a wife and have yeah. a few throwaway lines. And, you know, that's that. She, she evidently doesn't have a job. It, it appears. No, I mean yeah. it's the seventies, right? You don't. You don't. You don't, you don't, you don't need to, yeah. two, two incomes in a household. <clears throat> Apparently not. Um, <laughs> particularly on Amity. So yeah, but I guess it's cheap to live on Amity. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I really like this film. Uh, I, I've said this on the podcast before. I saw it on the big screen yeah. a year or two ago. Nice. It's such a different experience on the big screen. It's, that is how you should see this movie. It's still great if you yeah. don't see it that way, but it's awesome seeing it on the big screen. And if you ever get a chance, I, I also highly recommend it. Also, it's another Steven Spielberg-John Williams combo. Which yeah. Is yeah, I think it's the first one, actually. Yeah. Really? Uh, well, I so this is from 75, which is like... Yeah. Early soundtrack. Yeah, Spielberg was pretty young when he made this, I imagine. Yeah, and I've seen, like, there's a video of him when they announced the Oscars and this movie doesn't get nominated. (laughs) And he, like, is a total dick. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's the biggest movie of the year, I believe, in in 75 when it comes out. No doubt. And um, 
and like really like changes filmmaking. It's an important movie outside yeah. of how it is outside of its art, right? Like it's important for the movie industry. Yeah, uh, Jaws because as the first summer blockbuster, like it introduced mm-hmm. the concept of there being uh, destination movies during the summer. Because before that, the summer was just a wasteland. Like it was oh, yeah. where they, it was like how they treat the winter, not like January, February. Now, like they would just <laughs> dump everything in the summer, and then they realized summer is hot, and movie theaters are cool and air conditioned. <laughs> <laughs> and we should put big movies and the, there. The kids are off school, <clears throat> right? Yeah, Let's ex- give them Jaws. Yeah, exactly right, and. uh that really that model stayed pretty true for decades. It's, you see it breaking apart now, but yeah, for decades and decades. So he, he shoots like a movie called Duel, which is like a TV movie about like a obsessed trucker or something, which I think kind of puts him on the map. And that. then he, okay. he gets Jaws after that. And there's another movie, The Sugarland Express, which I've heard of but have never seen. Um, and, that- and then he just goes on this string of like giant hits. Yeah. Jaws, Close Encounters, 1941, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., Twilight's on the movie. There you go. Yeah, it's so like... It's a pretty good run. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it continues through <clears throat> the 90s and early 2000s even. Yeah, because he did, yeah, he did Close Encounters right after this, right? This was the, that was a follow-up. Uh, also with Richard Dreyfus. Yes. Yeah. Who I liked a lot here, and I like in general. I wish I could see him in... He's more great. big movies. Yeah, he's Which great. Which one was Richard Dreyfuss? Hooper, the oceanographer. Okay, yeah. Yeah, with the beard. Um, yeah, he was, I mean, all three of the, their leads were great. Yeah, the, the leads are all amazing. Um, I, actually, I think Robert Shaw is quiet, quietly. He's like, so good. No, not bad. quietly. Yeah. He's loudly the best part yeah, well, of this movie. <laughs> I mean, every, Which one is Robert Shaw? <clears throat> oh, which one do you think? Quint. He's the, the captain. He's Quinn. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I always associate him with the sting. Um, before anything else. I, I can't even think of him in anything else. I'm sure he's in a ton of stuff. Uh, I've seen The Stink many times. Have you seen yeah. that movie? Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I'm not sure. I don't think so. It's 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 a con man movie. It okay. takes place in the 30s. It's yeah. um, Paul Newman and uh, Redford. And he plays the villain that they're targeting, like the big mob boss that they're targeting with their long con. Um, and he's great in it. He's menacing and terrifying. Uh, like in this movie, but he was like that intro scene when he scratches the chalkboard. <laughs> it's so good, right over and, the, the shark drawing. Yes, it's so good, uh, and just every single line he delivers. Like you don't even need to understand what he's saying because you can't most of the time. Like it's just still perfect. I, I love him here. <laughs> yeah, and the the like the bipolar nature of his character. Yeah, where he's like funny and like endearing, and then he's like menacing and and insane. Uh, like when he yeah. smashes yeah. up the radio, it's just like this random bizarre act. Yeah, I mean obviously. So he's like he's meant to like channel the like Captain Ahab clearly yes like yeah. character. So he's yeah. like his self destruction is to like get to his mission. Right, right. Yeah. right. I, I get like, what's going on there, but it yeah. still kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. Like here's this lunatic yeah. that is uh, stranding them. Mode he's gonna be in. Right, right. But yeah, he he chews up the scenery with this character, and it's it's good stuff. Um, I I will. I like this movie a lot. Like I, ha- I, I hadn't seen it in a while. Last time I saw it was in college for a film class, actually, and um, I was surprised by how well it held together on this viewing. Like I thought it was really effective. I thought it worked almost pretty much throughout. Like I, I thought it was really, really good. Um, I noticed more this time the stiffly bifurcated structure, like such that it's almost two different movies uh, between the first and second half. Yeah, there's the turning point in the movie, which is yeah. like. Roy Scheider, who's like the family guy, yeah. And once his family is like in danger, that's when the movie turns and he's it like, becomes an adventure man or something. Yeah, yeah. He takes it personally. 
yeah. yeah, yeah, he does, and it's uh, even like the what's driving the, the movies is so different between those those two moments because you look at the first part of that movie and the shark is almost incidental, right? Like it's more this movie about like a guy who's around a town finding his way in this weirdo small community and like not really fitting in that well. Um, it kind of reminded me of Northern Exposure. Yeah, it's, <coughs> and, it's like that. It's very Stephen King-esque, too. Sure. Which is often, like, about an outsider coming to, like, a weird community and, like, yeah. a weird New England community <coughs> and, like, trying to fit in. And, yeah. I mean, this, they, they don't play it nearly that dark. Like, I think there's a lightness to his yeah. him, like, not finding his way. Yeah, he's, like, a New York City guy and, like, right. didn't want to cut his teeth in New York and came to Amity. and Right, which yeah. is, that's Northern Exposure, right? Like, that's exactly how that show yeah. plays out. But and then you have the second half where the the whole driving force of the narrative is the shark. It's all about the shark. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's I, I found that an interesting choice. I, I wasn't sure how to what to do with it exactly, but yeah, I think it's interesting because he's not exactly <coughs> like capable in the second half of the movie. He's I didn't like know why he was there along for the ride. <laughs> yeah, well, just he's the only he guy. Just wanted right? to take some responsibility. At the, yeah, I mean that was it. Yeah, it's like duty and like again, like it's because it's a small town. He's not going to send one of his like yokel de- deputies <laughs> yeah. along for the ride. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's all I could come up with. Just like yeah. he was available, and, and he's the main character. And he's I, I get like that's yeah. the story reason. Yeah. Well, also the the fishermen in the town seem like completely incapable of doing their primary job yeah. which is like to fish yes because they're just a bunch of like dummies that like get in boats and like don't see like there's essentially the three stooges yeah, yeah. like times 10 like <laughs> get they into boats get the and... random other shark yeah, yeah they somehow. got that guy yeah. yeah and you have that sequence where they tie the chain to the dock and just like yeah throw and put stick a, a roast a roast onto a giant hook and throw it into the <laughs> ocean this is the dumbest plan ever yeah uh, so I mean, I liked that Spielberg didn't just kill off another character there. I like that that guy survived because if it's just like murder after murder after murder, uh, well, yeah, it's yeah. more intense that he lives. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like uh, that. You, he's... Just, you see them like keeled over on the dock trying to recover. It's pretty intense stuff. Right. Because it, it opens up more possibilities for the movie. You know that like yeah. it's possible for someone to encounter the shark and escape. So yeah. like when the next person is put in danger, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, and there's exactly. attention to That's it. Important. That seems great too because you don't see like any sign of the shark at all, and right. all you see is just the the whole friggin' dock just being, being dragged around. Yeah. 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 Which is again like much more menacing, right? Because it's just this like force in the water that like the structures of of people just like have doesn't don't matter yeah do not matter yeah. to, to the shark yeah. yeah spielberg does that a few times like there's the at the beginning when they first encounter the girl that is eaten yeah and you see everyone he holds the camera on the roy schneider character and the deputy and the other guy for a while like as they're reacting to it yeah so you see their reaction and you like take in their reaction before you see what they're reacting to and i thought that was really effective that it's it, it yeah. centers the the character's horror rather than the horrible thing yeah and like that that's so spielberg and 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 worked really well there yeah there's a lot that's like cleverly done <coughs> off screen yeah uh like that they, they show like the girl's hand and like the crabs like kind of yep. crawling over yep. it otherwise they don't show it and then later they 
they show the cadaver in, yeah. in the morgue, but they, they obviously don't show it. They just show like a bucket. Yeah. They show that like him taking the rag off and examining it, but we don't see it at all. And that's yeah. like, so we see it. See her arm. Yeah. That's, like, yeah. yeah. Mangled yeah. And, and you see a small bucket, right? Like they, yeah. they make a point about it just like comes yeah. out of the top of the freezer, yeah. showing that it's like not person size. <laughs> like you can't fit a, a human being in here. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they, Spielberg is just so good with. That, that information delivery, like he under he understands that films in an information delivery system, and he controls it, you know, so well. Um, he also has another. We pointed this out in the last Spielberg movie we watched with um, Indiana Jones, but he has another subtle long shot in this one uh, when they get on the ferry towards the beginning of the movie. They they drive the uh, car onto the ferry, and the mayor is talking to. What's the character's name? The uh, police chief. Uh, Roy Scheider's character? Yeah. There. He's talking to... Brody. <clears throat> Brody. Yeah. And oh, yeah. it's all one shot. Like, And it's so cool because the camera is fixed uh, at the front of the ferry. And we're just like taking this little tour of the town and the, the coast like as they're having this conversation that develops you know, who they are and what their motivations are and so it's a, it makes for a much more interesting shot than just the shot reverse shot they yeah. normally see with a, a conversation. with a scene like that yeah yeah but it was more interesting filmmaking than, i don't and, think i actually realized that was happening until right they got back to shore and the the ferry was like landing yeah exactly yeah yeah and that's what makes those kind of shots so great that it's it's so not egotistical Right, like it's it's not drawing attention to the fact that Spielberg's ma- doing a fancy shot, right? Like he's he's doing something difficult there, and he is like that's a tough thing to put together. But it's like he's the opposite of uh, Two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> just like the opposite of Inaratu, um, the um, Revenant and Birdman. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, it's kind of is the opposite of that. That Spielberg is saying this Look is what not... I've done with film. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Spielberg's not doing that. He's just letting the the work stand for itself. And yeah. what do you know? You get a better product. Yeah, he does that a few times. Uh, my favorite is when Brody is looking at the shark textbook. Mm-hmm. We don't see the textbook. We just see Brody, and he has glasses. Mm-hmm. And there's like a reading light, and you see the the pages being reflected yeah. in his glasses. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's just such a great shot. Yeah, like staging that and framing that, and like getting just the right light so that you can see all the stuff that you're supposed to see to understand what's going on. Yeah, and there's like little horrific things that you're like seeing in his eyes, yeah. but like not yeah, actually seeing. Yeah, yeah. Like, you don't need you don't need a, uh, him to say to read the book and say, "Did you know that sharks can eat people really fast?" Yeah. Like he, he, he doesn't make that necessary. Or, or the other thing this movie <clears throat> does, which is great, is they bring in Hooper, Richard Dreyfus, right. who is a shark expert, but he's much more interesting just as like a person than he is yeah. like a shark expert. Like he's a believable shark expert. Yes. And they sort of explain away the fact that like he has all this like shark equipment just that he's like rich. Yeah, or his and, family's rich. Yeah. yeah, they make it like even yeah. more of this like but, class but, commentary. But they have like a natural conversation about it rather yeah. than like the well this is the best shark scientist in the world (laughs) yeah yeah. he comes from a long line of shark scientists yeah (laughs) they discovered buried treasure at one point yeah and then he addresses like congress about jaws yeah yeah Yeah, exactly none of that shit there's no like day after tomorrow scientist right in this movie right is just a dude who likes sharks he's just a dude yes and knows because he has a backstory he tells his backstory (laughs) and it's compelling yeah yeah, and, uh, and you have the sense that he is 
also this outsider, but an outsider in a different way than the Red Schneider is. Yeah, he's a nerd. Right? Well, he's a nerd, but he doesn't want to be part of the community, right? Because Hooper is planning to leave. He has no ambition to stay there. Whereas Brody, like, is trying to find a way in and failing and failing and failing yeah. to actually get there. And so it's a nice contrast between the two of them that are, like, very similar and that they're both, like, reasonable dudes that understand mm -hmm. the gravity of the yeah. situation but have different goals in mind at the end beyond, you know, killing the shark. Yeah, and Quinn yeah. is also an outsider, right? Right. But he's this, like, kind of crazy hermetic... Uh, character that right like, uh, boils but, shark jaws. Yeah, where he, he plans yeah. to stick around, but uh, doesn't give a shit if anyone accepts him or not. Yeah, obviously. Uh, so yeah, it's nice that they these guys are all yeah they're all with without this community. They're on the outside of this community, but have different ways of interacting with it and seeing that and frame themselves in different ways going forward within it. Yeah, it's also implied that the like the community is like the sort of local government is like fairly corrupt. Yes. Um, well, I mean, they not, like it a, seems like a collective thing for the entire community since they're concerned about like the revenues of the island in general because they rely on the summer income, right? which is very yeah. real for those kind of like island yeah. communities. Yeah. So that like rings true. Um, it seemed like a collective thing because, like, yeah. all the normal townspeople were also complaining about what would happen to yeah. their incomes, and they would have to be on welfare for the winter or whatever. Yeah, if they had to shut down the beaches. Yeah, there are definitely towns like that. Like, my hometown has a, a plenty of outdoors industry. Yeah. Like, it really matters how the winter plays out because it's a lot of winter sports and mm -hmm. tourism and stuff like that. All these tourist towns are the same way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I mean, this is based on Nantucket. And <coughs> okay. Sure. It's the same thing, and like, if you fast forward. To today, all these communities are just being devastated by opioid crisis. Yeah, for yeah. for this exact reason, right? <coughs> yeah, like during the winter, things get really crappy, and you do some drugs. You do drugs. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. all there is to do if you're <laughs> one of like the few dozen people that like actually lives there. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's dark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the affair, uh, the show on Showtime, gets which I've not this. seen. Okay, is it good? Yeah, the drug dealing is like a part of it, and there's like a um, they live out on like the end of Long Island, essentially. It's so like oh, same okay. type of community, yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, there's like drug dealing is like a subplot to to the affair. But yeah. <laughs> I, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other <clears throat> speaking of um, Spielberg delivering uh, information uh, effectively, the one moment I, that was pointed out to me, uh, a few, ironically, like a few days before we watch this movie um that he they communicate that they just moved into town without saying it when at the beginning of the movie when he says why is there sunlight in this room now and she says because we moved in the fall like mm -hmm. it's such a natural piece of dialogue mm -hmm. but or they, they say like it's your first summer huh right yeah yeah, yeah but they, like they they tell you in just like those two or yeah. three lines that they're newcomers they moved in here within the last year and like yeah. don't know the area that well yet and they don't need to have a line where he says, yeah, we're newcomers. We just moved in the area. I don't know this area that well yet. Like, yeah. <laughs> or, or you see them, like, arriving with, like, a packed up station right, wagon. Right, None of that like, shit. Yeah. 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 They just, it, it, it's so much more efficient. Like, it, it's it's artistic, so it's odd to think of it that way. But it's it really is just. It's efficient a, and a lot more natural. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's how people talk to each other. Although I've seen. I've seen it that the other way too, and it can be done well the other way too. Um, what do you mean? Like in, have you seen Arachnophobia? No, I have not seen Arachnophobia. <laughs> the movie's great. Okay, Under, underrated. Like again, like a creature feature, but that one's from the nineties, I think. You, Charles, I have not seen Arachnophobia. <coughs> yeah. No, okay. Um, 
it starts with that where this, this guy is like he's a doctor and he's like moving into a rural area to like replace the town doctor right and it start the movie starts like well it starts in the jungles in south america but then when it introduces the main characters they like arrive in town in a station wagon and like, yeah are mm-hmm. unpacking and yeah yep uh, <laughs> the northern exposure does the yeah. bit where the guy is like telling his life story to the guy sitting next to him on the plane. Like that's how the show opens up. And it's like, okay, here it's just the giant exposition. Yeah. <laughs> and the uh, doesn't Die Hard start like that? The, oh yeah, I think it might. Right? Is that Die Hard? I talking about old lady on it's the been airplane. a minute since I've seen Die Hard. I believe yeah. it. Yeah. I don't remember if he gives a lot of exposition. But I know well, he says he's going to like a Christmas party, right? And Something like that. Yeah. 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 That's that's you're correct. So yeah, I mean, it, it's nice that Spielberg can avoid that. I feel like we've, yeah. we see that so often in other movies yeah. that it's good to kind of run in the other direction. Um, and it's harder. Like, it's another thing that looks easy and it's not. Yeah, so what's interesting is, like, so Peter Benchley, who wrote the novel, uh, gets a writing credit for this movie. Cool. He's one of two writers for the movie. Mm-hmm. And the novel is crazy. It's super long and has, like, a giant subplot, like, a fair subplot. So, okay. like... They just um, acts completely. Yeah. So yeah. Brody's wife like cheats on Brody like with Hooper. <laughs> okay. Uh, and like a third of the book is about that, and it becomes this like weird like sex romp. Uh, <laughs> that is like, unexpected. About that, and they just completely axe that. Which seems like a good idea. Yeah, yeah totally. Because uh, like Brody's like much more compelling as a character as like a interest. He's like a family man. He's like yeah. He's shown as like a good father and. Right. If he has to worry about, if the movie has to worry about that stuff, then it yeah. yeah that's not what that's not that what would, that would be so off the rails yeah. for this movie. Where just be like, okay, now we have forty five minutes about this affair <laughs> that doesn't, which yeah. makes the, all the characters look bad. Yeah, yeah. Rather yeah. than people who you want to survive and, and want to kill the shark and yeah, right. right. It, would be, it would just. I mean, I, it might. Well, what it, what it results in is, I believe in the book, the Hooper character gets killed. Oh, and then they. But here he's like he appears to be killed, and then is survives. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. He hides out underwater for a while until yeah, <laughs> until Brody can take care of business. So yeah, so it was interesting to see like Benchley being involved, but they pretty much just like acts like major portions of the book. Well, the, Brody's an awful person in the book. Really? Yeah, he's really have really you, bad. Have you read it? Yeah, I read okay. it when I was a teenager. Okay. I actually read multiple Benchley novels, all of which are just Jaws knockoffs. <laughs> um, there's the the Beast, which is about a giant squid. Okay. Um, and there's uh, one called Great White, which is actually an interesting one. <laughs> and literally, no, but Great Great White's not about a shark. Great Great okay. White is about um, a Nazi experiment. Oh, um, that's okay. misleading. Yeah. The guy who wrote yeah. So there's there's a sunken U-boat and on the U-boat they find like many years later this like box. And OK. In, inside the box is like this like man fish creature oh. uh, that like reanimates and like starts killing people. But it's, <laughs> is this where street sharks come from? Comes from? The, yeah, Maybe. That's yeah. street sharks. Yeah. But yeah, it's a lot scarier because it's like the creature like is a shark and a man and like can come on yeah. on the land and like drag people up. yeah so that one's probably the best of his books <laughs> i'm not i'm never going to read that in, book. in terms of like pulp sci-fi yep that is yeah i'm never gonna read that um but this movie goes on to influence so much yep. we just saw fast and furious 8 yep. in theaters 
in the the line that we're going to need a bigger X yeah. like comes yeah. up in Fast and Furious Eight. Of course it does. The the sub like we're need a bigger truck. Yeah, it subsurfaces <laughs> behind the cars, <laughs> and the rock <laughs> says what Charles is saying. <laughs> but I mean, that's everywhere. You see that. Yeah. Everywhere. Well, on the music, like, right? Like you see the music referenced all over the place. Yeah. The we're gonna need a bigger thing like comes up all yeah. the time. Uh, the the Louisiana license plate that they pull out of the shark mm-hmm. is referenced in tons of shark movies. Yeah, it, Simpson uh, says multiple Jaws references, including the yeah. nails on the chalkboard moment. Um, <coughs> is they just pull it line for line. One yeah. that I kind of retroactively found was uh, I always saw Ace Vin- I saw Ace Ventura Pet Detective a lot as a kid. Yeah, and there's that one part where he's in the tank that he thinks is a dolphin tank and is feeding the shark and he gets pulled around back and forth oh okay. so it's just like when the girl at the beginning is right. getting eaten and getting right. dragged back and forth yeah yeah so yeah this is yeah another one of those movies because everybody saw it right like it was just such a huge hit yeah like, it's, the, a, it's a touchstone movie it's yeah like influenced so many filmmakers yeah yeah and the first big summer blockbuster yeah yeah it's yeah it's the first movie that just the whole world saw right <laughs> well i mean that fits into that summer blockbuster mold because yeah. I think you can go back to like Gone with the Wind. Like, yeah, everybody like saw Casablanca, Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Everybody, right? Like, yeah, Casablanca. Um, so they're, they're kind of all thrilling, action y sort of movies. But in like yeah. modern filmmaking era, yeah, this is probably like the first film that like really kicks off the like, here's how we do summer movies mold. Well, and they, they like sets up the tentpole movie model where they like make the one expensive movie that's going to make a ton of money. And use that to finance like the middle level movies and the crappy sequel. Uh, <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's like four sequels to this movie. <laughs> there's a lot of unfortunate sequels. Yeah, right. Uh, which I've, I haven't seen any of them. Just two is like a direct sequel, and then it goes off the rails. Well, like, just two has a classic marketing tagline, right? Was is that where the just when you thought it was safe to get back in the water? Lines yeah. From? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, because Schneider came back. For it. I think most of the characters came back for it. Lorraine Gary, I think her name is. Okay. His wife. Do you want even more money, they said? <laughs> yeah. They said, yes, yes, I yes, do. please. Pretty, yeah, I mean, pretty much. And yeah. then they did a 3D, Jaws 3D, oh, yeah. for <laughs> the revenge, which is <laughs> about... A, Wait, who gets revenge? The, the shark blows up. Yeah. Well, no, Jaws is getting the revenge, because... How? He blew up. Some Jaws relative <laughs> comes back. Michael, to avenge? Uh, the... Michael Caine is in... Jaws for the Revenge. Okay. <laughs> Does he play the shark? No. <laughs> He's in this movie, probably just got paid a buttload of money. Yeah. And for some reason is in Jaws for the Revenge. And you've seen obviously you've seen it. Yeah, well the how did this get made? The bad movie podcast I listened right. to did it like a year or two ago. That's okay. And so you had to follow along. Yeah, I mean the most confusing part is why Michael Caine's in the movie. This <laughs> is like, what is he like having tax problems or like? That, I mean, that's more confusing than like, why does the shark have a relative that cares about it and is, realizes that it's missing? Yeah, because you're like, why Michael Caine's such a good <laughs> okay. actor? Why yeah. is he doing this? Yeah, no, well, we know the answer to that question. Money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the, I mean, returning to the uh, the second half of the movie, like sure. when they're when they're doing the back on track. The, yeah, I guess movie. Um, when they're doing the actual shark hunting. One thing that struck me, or the, the thing that struck me on this viewing, was the weird lack of music. Like there are a lot of like really yeah. long sequences where you'd expect some kind of at least light music that would like punctuate the drama, and um, there's literally no soundtrack. Like they're just 
like running around the boat and you know hooking barrels to the shark and like nothing. Once the boat starts moving, though, the the music like, yes. kicks back in. Yeah, that which well, is interesting and yeah. very like storytelling. Yeah, music. you're right. Yeah, yeah. I, I I picked up on that. That once yeah. they're moving more, like they have this like exciting like fun music that plays when they're yeah. like chasing the shark. You're right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I. I feel like there was definitely a soundtrack during this part of the movie because I had the subtitles on and it kept saying like adventurous music playing. You watch this movie with the subtitles? Yeah. Quinn? Sometimes, Quinn's hard to understand. Sometimes they mumble a bit and I don't know what they're saying. That's the charm of the character. Like you're not supposed to understand everything he says, right? Like he's supposed <laughs> yeah. to be kind of incoherent. Well, he's like, you catch like half vulgar things. Right. And yeah, then... And he's like, you get the mood of it, right? Like he's yeah. just like... Saying weird, angry Irish. And he'll break. He'll break into song like out of nowhere. <laughs> yes, multiple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a yeah. The sequence when they're all singing like um, the well, that's, song. They come together as like a team at that moment, right? And then right? the shark strikes. Like that was that was good. Like I like that because Quint like finally respects them. Right. Those, Cooper has some good scars. Yeah. 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 That, so yeah, I thought that that was um, that was really effective. I liked that a lot. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, like, to go back to the get a bigger boat line, I feel like the callbacks to that that we referenced are playing it as a joke, right? Like, obviously, it's a joke to call back to something, but they're playing yeah. the line as though it were delivered as a joke. But it's not. Like, Roy Schneider's delivery of it is really good, right? And, yeah. like, he's, yeah. like, scared, and he, like, means it. Like, he actually thinks they yeah, need to sure. leave. Yeah, did you jump at that moment, boat? Charles, having not seen the movie before? <laughs> is that the one where he's spreading the chum and the shark pops Yeah, just, out? like, yeah. comes out of the water. So, yeah. I've seen gifs of that scene, unfortunately. Uh, that's a really, yeah, that's a really famous me, yeah. moment. But it's so good. It's also funny, like, how suddenly his head pops up. It's, yeah. like, kind of comical. Yeah, oh, really? I, I thought it was uh, pitch perfect. Like, I, I thought it worked really well. Which is also, like, the if you've seen videos of great white surfacing is the most like accurate scene in the movie because all, all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden they're just like out of they're, the water they're just there yeah yeah uh, yeah i remember seeing this shark documentary where they've been sitting on the water in south africa for like days just like waiting for sharks to and then all of a on the last day all of a sudden this shark just like ejects itself out of the water oh, and God. everybody's like holy shit <laughs> yeah no kidding yeah yeah <laughs> of course you are um, yeah but I mean, that's what's great about great whites, right? In that they they're surprise hunters, that they, right? Well, know. that's why they're so good at killing stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they're huge, and yeah, evidently they're. I mean, I don't know how much larger this one was than an actual great white shark, but well, uh, they say it's twenty five feet, but then it looks <laughs> so much larger, or like it's too like wide. Yeah, uh, yeah, well, and you don't get a good, a close enough look at it. Mm-hmm. To really gauge how big it is, yeah, it needs to be wide enough to like swallow a character whole, whole yeah. which yep. is which is like That's big, yeah, it's big, but it's like unrealistically wide, yeah, in that. but it makes it like all the more monstrous for the movie. Um, but in reality, they're not like that wide, I'm sure they could. <laughs> I, I no well, you know, it's a movie, they needed the super yeah. shark, yeah, I'm not yeah, a shark exactly. Scientist. Yeah. Uh, this, so that that whole thing is is actually like one of the unfortunate like consequences of this movie that. Sharks like get a pretty bad rap after this. Um, yes, and uh, <laughs> like post seventies, it's like everybody's afraid of sharks and are okay with killing sharks. And now here we are on the brink of shark extinction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And who knows uh, what that will do to ocean ecology? That's already all fucked up. Yeah, and it's one of the unfortunate like outcomes of this movie that it's like it's okay to like kill sharks in this movie. And, yeah, um, I mean that's the goal. That's like how they win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Again, like if you watch documentaries, even about great whites, um, there's one at Natural History Museum here, and they're 
there was like a free diver who'd, who'd get in the water with great whites and uh-huh. he would have a team. So there'd be three of them and they would kind of like form in a triangle. And as long as they're looking at the great whites, the great whites like don't come at them because interesting because hmm. they know that they're being looked at and they, they want to surprise uh-huh. uh, their prey. That's uh, interesting. And they're, they're also just like curious about people. They're, they're not like hunting for people, which this right. movie is like. This is a rogue shark, and it's coming to get people. <clears throat> it's a man eater. It's a yeah. gonna be a feeding frenzy out there. It's it's really loosely based on real events that happened in the night. They actually refer yeah. to the events in the movie, right? Like that um, one shark does end up like coming out of the ocean, ending up by this town, right? Yeah, that, so, that happened. Yeah, in the teens yeah. in New Jersey, there was a series of mm. shark attacks that they think were executed by one shark who uh, actually like came up a river and like killed some children, okay. and um, and then. The like around that time, people just went on like a murder spree of sharks yeah. to like get this one shark. Um, and they reference in the movie they're like the 1916 like New Jersey shark attack or something, right? Yes, yeah, yeah I, I, I didn't realize it was that old, but yeah, I had heard yeah, that, that story before. But so, yeah, some like unfortunate things like come out of this <laughs> movie for sharks, which is too bad, but yeah, but, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, not even like even if you don't care about sharks, like it does mess up. The other critters out there, and we need, you know, yeah. an ecosystem. It's the same way when you see like certain dog breeds in movies. Then, sure. like, people buy that dog breed, and yeah. like, it just like gets out of control. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that happened with Fraser, right? Yeah, it happened with um, Hunter One Dalmatians too. Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah, yeah. Which they're making a origin story out of Cruella Deville. Do you hear this? What? They're making a Cruella Deville origin story movie, you just like live it. action. Like mine, the uh, well, they already had a live action 101 down, right? But yeah. okay, so this one, yeah, you're right, but this one will also be live action, nothing like intellectual property, right? <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like mine <laughs> forever. Fun <laughs> turning, um, so I'm looking forward to the Jaws origin story. Uh, see what this shark was or like the when Jaws it was remake. You just oh, watch the shark out in the ocean, like eating fish <laughs> for an hour and a half, yeah, Charles. Did any moment in this movie like to get you? Uh, definitely the dead guy in the boat. Yeah, that's a good oh, yeah. one. That's, that's one I have not seen referenced before. That's a great one. Uh, yeah. So that one just completely got me. And unfortunately, I was like writing a note in my notebook as it happened. <laughs> and I looked, looked up as a loud sound happened. And there's a fucking like dead dude's face in my face. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much how, uh, how it actually plays out. He's just all, all of a sudden there. Yeah, it, it reminded else. me of uh, when I saw the Hatchet movie in middle school or something like that. The Hatchet, hatchet movie? movie? What? The movie of the, the Hatchet, the book? Oh, oh, okay, I read um, that. They, like the plane crashes and like the pilot is like this old dead guy, and so he goes to the plane to recover his goods, like the oh, survival the stuff, body. and the dead bodies there. Yeah. And there's like a loud sound and stuff. It was almost the exact same as this. Oh, scene. I have a very vague recollection of that. I feel there, like there's yeah. like that really freaked me out. Uh, there's yeah. kind of like a scream effect. When you first see the yeah. like, yeah. face, too, yeah, which is like, like a screech, yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to really get him, yeah. But yeah. he does. Um, yeah. any other moments get you? Um, I think that was the one that got me the yeah. worst, yeah. Um, a but, lot of the other ones, I mean, they build it up, so you really, I mean, this one was kind of built up, but I wasn't sure. Like, a, I thought the shark was going to come out or something, yeah, like, it's a jump scare. A, a dead body. The fact yeah. that it does again, getting back to what Wilson was saying earlier, the fact that you don't see the shark in that yeah. scene is great because yeah. the, mu- the music misleads you. Like you connect right. the music with the shark. They play the and shark he explicitly music. said yeah. that yeah. it feeds at night and then they're yeah. out at night and he's like exploring <laughs> yeah. around. Yeah, and then no shark. <laughs> yeah, not a great idea there, Mister Hooper. Yeah, shark scientist. Yeah. That that's another great scene because like again that like moment the 
boat attack like happened off screen and they just like happen upon right. the ruined boat right. which is like great Spielbergian storytelling where it's just like this other event happened off screen and now we see the results and yeah it, it makes it feel like a more vibrant world like there's stuff happening that's important that we don't get to see also a lot of like proto Spielberg stuff is happening so they, they use a lot of like mist in that scene and okay. these like mm-hmm. strong like spotlights that are like cutting through the mist mm-hmm. Which he he goes he mines that well like a bunch of times. Well, Close Encounters uh, uses that technique a and, lot. And uh, ET yeah, does yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely true. Yeah, well, and and the same thing where you have characters like one character has all the information but no power to stop it, mm-hmm. while the other character who has no information is in danger. Yeah, like he does that here as well, um, where they, they like can see the shark and it's approaching someone, but they don't know how to warn the person and they yeah. figure it out at the last minute. Like he does he does that in Munich and multiple other movies. Uh, Jurassic Park, um, he, he does that Those same are definitely thing. extremely tense moments. Yeah, yeah. He, he, the, the smoke is in Jurassic Park too. Yeah, right? yeah. Samuel Jackson's character, you have the really hard, he's like smoking and you have the really harsh oh. like emergency lighting and... Hold on to your butts. Yeah, he... <laughs> He he really like goes back to the, it works so well so visually yeah he goes back to that yeah a he, lot. he knows what works yeah, yeah. um J J Abrams also like sort of apes this in Super Eight I've not seen that I was, was thinking about no, Super J. J. Eight I wasn't I didn't remember who had done it I like that movie it's a lot an amalgamation of E T and Close Encounters and Jaws and yeah well it, it's it, just like here are the things that I love about a Spielberg film into yeah. my own film about film. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, uh, <laughs> Yeah, Welcome to his entire fucking career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it works really well because he does Spielberg so well. Right. That it's, this is a very good Spielberg impression. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Super 8 is like really a family movie with this like kind of aura of a like sci-fi scenario. And like there's this very compelling like familial relationship between... The character who's like his, you know, his parents uh, or his father, and you know the the other characters in the movie and their parents and that. It, it sound, did you see um Midnight Special came out last year? Yeah, yeah, same kind of like that, same which I liked. I, I thought it was good. It, it's Michael Shannon. And it's good largely because Michael Shannon. Yeah, yeah, pick a movie that Michael Shannon's in and he improves it. Yeah. Um, but he's Superman. the Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's, he's the lead in this one. Um, and he plays the father whose kid has superpowers that he doesn't understand. And he has to like save oh. him from the scientists that want to examine him. And uh, it's good. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. It's like E.T. without E.T. essentially. Yeah. If yeah. the kid and E.T. were the same character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it was and like a menacing cult was like chasing. <laughs> right, yeah, that's ET. right. That's what it was. It was the, the cops and the cult, and yeah, it was good. Underwatched. Yeah. Um, so I, I really liked the first half of Jaws. I also um, prefer the first half. I thought it was a very interesting social commentary on like how the people reacted to the disaster, and like they, you know, they were trying to cover it up at the beginning because they didn't want to close the beaches because yeah. they needed the money. Um, and they don't react until it's become way too big of a problem, and the mother's already lost her child, and Capitalism. she's like, "Why didn't you do something about this?" <laughs> right, and, and, and the irony. And then they like to. you know hunger for the blood of the shark because they want to get revenge. Yep. Um, but like crowds. in many ways, the shark is just a force of nature, right? So it's like, how would they have reacted if this were like a tornado coming through town? And they're like, "No, we can't shut down the town. We need we need the summer money." Tornado. There's a tornado coming. Yeah. Um, like you know, it's kind of similar to that, except now I guess they have. 
something they can shoot at for to, to feel it's better like, about themselves. Something to be angry at. The yeah. same thing yeah. happens in real life uh, in New York, at least, right, with blizzards, where it's like. Mm -hmm. Well, if we react too hard, then everybody's going to freak out about the blizzard. But if we don't react hard enough, then people, people might die. stuck in the freaking blizzard. <laughs> yeah, people people die. Yeah, and this right. happened what like four years ago when there was like the mayor like didn't really announce that you should do anything for the blizzard, and then <laughs> like it was really bad. And then, yeah, I mean, yeah. So th yeah. there's an interesting tension there. I I think you're you're also t touching on the 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 corruption of, of the town, right? Where there's yeah. The, I mean, uh, corruption feels a little strong, right? Because I mean, well, it, it, like, it gets to the point with that well, mayor. It's almost like, but it's not like he's enriching himself, right? It's like, almost like no. farmers where they rely on the harvest to yes. survive yeah. the year. It's yes. kind of like that, except that they um, are focused on that too much uh, over like their own safety, I guess. Yeah. Well, and he finds an answer when the, with the small shark, and like as soon as as soon as he has any kind of excuse to continue, he convinces himself that it's safe. And right. you kind of understand why he's doing it, right? Like, he's, he's not corrupt in the sense that he is, you know, like, enriching himself knowing that it's putting other people at risk. He understands the well, dynamics of the town. it's implied that he does well in that town. Like, he always has, like, kind of a dapper suit and... an anchor suit? Yeah, yeah there's, like, a, a rich mayor. There's no, like, yeah. clear delineation between his administration and, like, the business owner. Because he, he comes yeah. with this kind of, like, enforcer group to, like, Kind of th not really threatened, but like have a show of oh, force. Yeah. I did get yeah. that impression. That was the ferry scene, right? It looked like yeah, yeah like a political show of force. Yeah, and they they all like pile out of the station wagon like they're a, a mafia group yeah. essentially. Yeah. And yeah. like That's the other guys don't say anything, and just the mayor and Quint like have this conversation. Right, but it, I mean, but it's it that speaks to how these kind of towns function. Yeah. Right. That that that's just. Of course, there's a close relationship between. Well, yeah. The there's no the delineation between business and government. And, right. Right. Because yeah. I mean, when your town has 50 people in it. Right. They're all friends. They all know each other. Right. Right. And yeah. so I, I, I think that guy obviously made poor choices. Right. Yeah. And yeah. He, should, he should have known better. Yeah. Um, corrupt seems strong to me until the end. Like I, I think he does get to the point where he, just like doesn't accept what is right in front of him. Well, he can't even imagine it, right? right. Like he goes into shock, and there, yeah. there's nothing b beyond his his worldview that's possible. Like, right? He like he can't even say anything when he gets him to to sign the voucher to yeah. hire yeah. Quinn. Yeah. Um, like there's no language for him that like makes him able yeah. to like Just totally unprepared to, to do that. Yeah. yeah, totally unprepared to to handle that. Yeah. Um, there's also like an underrunning theme about like the short sightedness of people, I guess, because they yeah. don't they don't really think ahead to what could happen and what they need to prevent. And so all they can do is, you know, mourn when people die because of their negligence. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're also like again, like they're quite bumbling. Like they yeah. their their reaction they try to react but in a way that's like completely ineffective where they they have all these like beach spotters yeah. and like a helicopter and but they they get fooled by like kids with cardboard, yeah. and then the shark like actually is there and kills somebody. Yeah, and yeah. So they're they're just like their tools, similar to kind of predator, are mm -hmm. completely ineffective. Right. Uh, right. Against well, and, what is a much more powerful force. Yeah, and well, they kind of for much of the movie choose to not use the more effective tools. Like that. That's it. Like they have options. They, like closing the damn. Like closing beach. the beach and sending out this guy who said that he knows how to kill sharks to go kill the shark. Yeah. Right. Like they they delay that a lot. 
It was so uh, frustrating to watch. I, I wanted to like <laughs> grab the mayor and like yell at him. Yeah. But yeah. you wouldn't do anything, right? Like, no, even if you were there. No, he's, he's more focused on, like, kids that are spray-painting billboards than yeah. people who are actually dying, yeah. right? Which is how city governments operate, right? Yes. Like, where they're focused on the completely wrong thing all the it, time. It seems, yeah. and this is from way before this was relevant, but it seems like a very close allegory to how we're treating global warming and climate change these days. Sure, yeah. Well, it's we, just like, oh, we can't afford to deal with that right now. You know, we, we need these coal factories and, and jobs the earth. and coal yeah. and all that. And, and yeah. this comes out, like, that's, like, very in vogue in the 70s, that, like, nature is, like, no longer cooperating with people, mm-hmm. with humans, and it reacts in a way uh, that is violent and comes after us and and jaws is just the best of this this type of movie like Mm. there's a million of these movies from the 70s that are like like jungle animals like kill people the uh, piranha's making fun of this but like (laughs) piranha there's spiders ones yeah yeah Yeah. and so it's like we got over nuclear stuff in the 50s and 60s (laughs) and we are suddenly like slightly woke to the impending natural disaster that is uh what we're doing to the planet and there's like a whole decade of these of these creature features that are are focused yeah getting at that theme yeah and i I think part of it they're all terrible (laughs) except for this one yeah Yeah. i mean and and part of it is that these these folks like the mayor understand and have in their control the tools to solve the spray paint problem right like they know how to address that and how to fix the damage they have no idea how to let go of the control that would be necessary to solve the man-eating shark problem well again because we don't want to hurt business ever so slightly right to stop people from dying nature from killing us yeah yeah Yeah. it's yep that's exactly what's going on like haven't learned this lesson at all yeah but it is still relevant we should all still be watching jaws (laughs) yeah um so yeah it's it is i don't think people read this as an environmental movie a lot of the time but i think it's a totally valid read like i think that that is yeah i think it it only is an environmental movie in the context of movies from the 70s where it's like natural disaster was like the only thing people could think about in the 70s when it Yeah. yeah i mean but that i mean that's how we should be thinking about all films right like we should be contextualizing the things we watch and understanding when it's coming from and that it will give us a fuller reading of well yeah and and that leads to the like 90s disaster movies right where we're just like we've succumbed to natural disaster and now no longer we've lost control over it yeah and now it's just the planet getting destroyed over and over and over again (laughs) well the the planet and the things that we put on it right because you see jazz and it's the people being destroyed but you look at these major dis- destruction movies and our cities are being destroyed. Like, yeah, how many times is New York blown up? Yeah, it's the next scale, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Because it's just like this runaway ecological train that we've lost <laughs> control over. Right. right? Well, and, and An asteroid or a tidal wave or a... Yeah, and, and from there you see movies like... Tomorrow. You see movies like Day After Tomorrow or um, Interstellar where it's not just our structures and our major monuments the entire planet is no longer functional and we need to leave um, or die. And so, yeah, I think we're just, (laughs) what, coming to accept our inevitable demise? Is that what it is? Like, I don't even know. Yeah, I think we've just, like, lost control over it, right? This is hyper-normalization that Adam Curtis, who's the documentarian, um, talks about media. It's just like, 
hypernormalization is the notion that like we have just accepted capitalism. We can't imagine anything beyond right. it. So all we can imagine is the end of humanity because it's the only only thing that makes sense is like the outcome to capitalism. So hence day after tomorrow and every movie from the 90s and early 2000s. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Where it's like it's the only thing we can possibly imagine about how the world operates now. So there it is. Over and, and over and over again. Yeah. And yeah. Children of Men distills that in a way that is much more thoughtful. But um, because Ch- Children of Men does this in a great way, right? Because like the world is ending mm-hmm. in Children of Men. You've seen Children of Men, right, yes, Charles? Yes, okay. 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 All right. <laughs> Good. In Children of Men, the world is clearly ending, right? Yeah. But it's not being taken out by a tidal wave or an asteroid, right? All, all it's, we've just become like sterile. Yeah, we've become sterile, and and we're just slowly dying as a species. And there's clearly some sort of event that like happened before the events of Children of Men, and but everybody is just been affected by it and is depressed by it, but like doesn't vocalize it in the movie at all. And so we see the end of society and it's not this like shocking event. It's just like, we're just dying out and we'll just sort of like turn into dust eventually. Yeah. Have you, or have either of you read Why the Last Man? It's a comic series uh, by- uh, I've heard a lot about it. I haven't seen it. Oh, do you mind if I spoil it? Sure. Okay. It's another like end of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Spoilers for Why the Last Man. Um, so the setup is that all men have died except one. Yeah. Um, and so he's the la- the last man. Um, and so he they you know team up with uh, government secret service people and like they're going to escort him to some scientists or whatever. So they they do this whole big adventure. But the end of the story is that society is slowly collapsing throughout the first half of the book. But then it's slowly rebuilding itself to the second half until by the end they flash forward like 20 or 30 years and they've basically figured out the problem and everybody is back to normal and like they've completed and solved and overcome the apocalypse, which is both more thoughtful and more hopeful than I think you see from most hmm. apocalypse stories. Yeah. Um, and so I, I feel like that's a place where we can go, right? Like, outs- uh, and it, I think it's appropriate that that exists outside of film at a lower budget you know, more niche um, form. But it, it feels like that's something that this, the, the next step for these kind of stories yeah. is to just be something more optimistic. We don't have to die over and over again. Or uh, <laughs> or there's also stories that kind of like celebrate that end. Which, yeah, um, Fallout, right. Fallout. Um, there's also the book that Omega Man is based on, mm-hmm. um, which also the Will Smith Omega Man. Um, oh, yeah, sure. Whatever that one's called, uh, <laughs> I am Legend. Oh, yeah. Okay. I so I am Legend is a remake of Omega Man. Well, no, there's there's like an intermediary one, and then there's Omega Man. <laughs> okay. Anyways, <laughs> all right. th- that's all based on a book. And uh, spoilers for the book. Um, he so he's like the last human, right, right? Right. And there's all these vampires, and the vampires are like coming to get him. Um, in the book it turns out that the vampires are actually, like, afraid of him because yep. he's, like, the vampire hunter. Like, he's the and, legend. Right. And yeah. so it's this, like, clever twist on it that, like, he's the monster, even though yeah. he's, like, the last remains of humanity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've read about that a lot because yeah. everybody's, like, you know, what was the biggest botched ending in any movie or whatever. So that's a great ending. Yeah. yeah and they, they don't use it in the real version of the movie. Yeah, which all, is a shame. Uh, yeah, all three of the versions of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. actually, yeah. Uh, I believe it's Omega Man, which is the one with Chuck Heston, 
which is one of many movies that ends with Chuck Heston screaming to the heavens. Yeah, because there's that one, there's Planet, Planet of the Apes and Silent Green. Silent Green. All three yeah. end with Chuck Heston screaming <laughs> things. Yeah, have you seen any of those movies? Nope. No? Do you know how Silent Green ends? I don't think I've heard of that one. Really? Oh, really? That's, that's <laughs> oh, referenced in a lot of places. Yeah, all over. Yeah. Really? That's a lot of references over my head then. So you cannot complete the sentence, Soylent Green is... Wait, wait, wait. Oh, Soylent Green. I heard Southern Green. I'm like, what? No, no, Soylent Green. Okay, I've heard of that. Okay, so you, you know what it is? So Soylent Green is... People? Yeah, okay. yeah I guess. Okay, there we go. <laughs> I was going to say, if we could show you Soylent Green with you not knowing the ending, like, yeah. that would be extraordinary. No, I just was mishearing you. Okay. Yeah, we should like do it tonight before you can like read anything. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Oh. <laughs> uh, because, yeah, I guess I'm not surprised by any movie you've missed at this point. You haven't yeah. seen the original Planet of the Apes, right? No. Chuck Heston. That, yeah. that one was a twist ending, too. Yeah. Yeah, which is so great. Like, I can't imagine seeing you know, that the movie. end to Unfortunately Planet of the ruined for me, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 The does it the best. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the Dr. Zayas clip. That's, yeah. My favorite line from that Simpsons episode is, I hate all you monkeys from Chimpan A to Chimpan Z. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, I think that's a Conan O'Brien Simpsons episode. It sounds like it, yeah. yeah. I think it might be too. Which is the best season. And yeah, yeah. The best episode, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we've, we've gone uh, far astray uh, from yeah, where we started here. Yeah, you bring it back to Jaws. Jaws, uh, what's, what's the verdict on Jaws? Uh, um, did you enjoy it? Was it a pleasurable movie-watching experience? Yeah. I'd say I liked about two thirds of it. Okay. Because uh, what, what third do you dislike? I was very much enthralled by the first half of the movie, and yeah. I liked the very end when they're actually like approaching killing the shark. The fucking shark blows up. Yeah, everybody likes that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which Myth Mythbusters disproved. Yeah, that doesn't yeah, work. Of course. Yeah. yeah. By the way, is this like the first movie where the hero like says a catchphrase and then blows up the monster? No, James Bond did that a bunch. No, right? Okay. Yeah. Anyway. I thought that was pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, like, what did he say? Like, smile. S- smile. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> and then an, an, an expletive. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so those parts were great, but just the part from when they get onto the shark hunting boat up until like towards the end when they're near catching it just completely lost me. Okay. It just felt really dry and plain and it felt like nothing was happening and I was just so bored that whole time. It's a big tunnel shift. Like, there's whole portions where they're releasing out these barrels to try to get the shark and then they just do it for like three barrels and then the shark swims around for a little while and like nothing's really happening and it was very frustrating yeah. for nothing to be happening. I, I hear you. I, I feel like the idea there was to be building up the team, yes. right? Because mm-hmm. we hadn't seen much of the Robert Shaw character at that point mm-hmm. and if they, want us, if they want his you know, horribly gruesome death to hit, like we need to kind of spend some time with the guy, um, so you, I think that's you're what right he's that at. they're building up the team though because they yeah. are very ineffective together at first. Yeah, and they, they need to learn how to like work together. Yeah, to get to that point, uh, I also think a lot of this section is a Moby Dick, Dick reference, and a lot of Moby Dick is like they're just on the boat and like nothing is happening, and they're like learning how the ocean works and how whaling works, and Thank you me. see that here where um, Quint is teaching Brody how to tie knots, yeah. how to jump the water. They each like get their roles on the boat. And so a lot of this is like Moby Dick <laughs> references. Yeah, that's, I think that's... Um, yeah, 
Orca we, we is need, the name of the boat. Yeah, um, they need to. Does Moby Dick have a re- have a reputation for like being overly long? And oh yeah, dry. there's all sorts of fucking bullshit in Moby Dick. Like they, he spends a really really long time talking about like whaling economy and uh, yeah, it's like, a whaling encyclopedia. Like <laughs> half, half the book Seriously. is an extremely realistic like whaling encyclopedia. Yeah, which you should well, not read. Which is like contemporary to the novel. Yeah. Um, it, Interesting story about Melville. Mm-hmm. Um, he is apparently, I think it's Thoreau he's like friends with. Yeah, well, they're a really big fan. He's like a Thoreau fanboy, I think. They're, they're somehow acquainted. No, and, it was Hawthorne. Uh, oh, is it Hawthorne? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So they're yeah. contemporaries. And he goes to like visit Hawthorne. And Hawthorne's wife like writes at the time that like this crazy guy yeah, like came and visited <laughs> us. Not, and it yeah. was like, he's a complete insane person. Yeah, like he yeah. dedicated Moby Dick to Nathaniel Hawthorne. Yeah. And um, yeah, the, it was kind of a one-sided relationship. That's <laughs> my understanding. Yeah. Is that they had this lunatic following him around who, because he made no money from his books and he mm-hmm. was basically destitute for a lot of his life. Yeah. And, um, and Hawthorne has a lot of money while he's alive. Right. Writing. From yeah. uh, Scarlet Letter mostly. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, Melville ends up being a big fan, and it's not the other way around. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of a sad story. Well, apparently Moby Dick is so one the of the great there. <laughs> American classics of literature for some reason. Yeah, I mean it. It's hard to get through the whaling parts, that's for sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, the most of the shark hunting part just felt really dry, really dragged until I guess. Um, <clears throat> The guy gets into the shark cage and stuff really starts heating up. Um, that was and the shark like actually attacks the boat and like rips it in half. Yeah, I like that. Um, just, then they got real, but otherwise yeah. he just tears through that shark cage. Like yeah, like it nothing. Basically nothing. Yeah, like it just he just rips it apart. Yeah, that scene when they they're pulling it out of the water, yeah. right? It's just in pieces. Like that, and then the crane good. falls in the water. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. That yeah. Was, that, that, yeah, and they're just sequence. like, Oop, I guess Hooper's dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I wonder though if a shark would be smart enough to do the thing where, like, it's like what the whale did in Futurama, right? He he got up on the bottom of the boat while it was slanted down so that the human would fall down into his mouth. Oh yeah, <laughs> like it happened. I don't know if the shark was doing it it's supposed to be doing it intentionally, and I don't think a real shark would. Understand Do physics that, that well. Thing? Yeah, yeah, especially not underwater physics. Some of it's for movies, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but yeah I, I mean, thought that was a little funny. Yeah, I mean, it could just be that the shark, you know, it's like, oh, here's got a, stuck there. Yeah, here's a thing I can eat. Like, yeah. there, there it is. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I hear your, I hear your critique. Like, I think that that is uh, largely fair. Um, and they kind of did away with the the iconic Jaws theme. I don't know if I really heard it much. The entire second half of the movie. Yeah, that's what I was pointing I out. The, it, the, it's so awesome. Yeah, the sparse use of music at the end there was a an odd choice. Like I didn't, I didn't understand why he did that. There's a really funny kids in the hall sketch where uh, it's John Williams in like in his family life, <laughs> and he uh, so he has like a couple like jaded teenagers and his wife, and he uh, he's like. All right, we're having a music competition, and then he like he writes like a John Williams song. You see him just like walking around town. He's like, there was definitely and, one. And oh, no, go ahead. And then uh, his family just like doesn't care, but like humors him like in the competition, <laughs> and like they like tell him that they hate him essentially. I'll I'll send you guys the please do. Sketch. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was definitely one part in the soundtrack that sounded just like the Star Wars soundtrack. Was there? I've. It felt like it could have been like 
at a part where X wings were shooting at Tie Fighters. Okay, well I think they, we they just kind of we just got it in our uh, Star Wars reference every episode. I just wanted to find a way. Yeah. This, this is this is honest. Uh, there actually was a part that felt kind of Star Warsy, but I mean it's John Williams. He kind of does his thing. Yeah, yes. Uh, so they're gonna sound a little similar. Yeah. So, so a thumbs up, Charles, for Jaws? Uh, kind of sideways. Sideways. Yeah, I, wow. I feel like I might have expected too much right. based on the buzz around the movie. Well, that if, that is a wrong opinion. If, if you <laughs> had if you had told me when we started doing this that you would like Mulholland Drive more than Jaws, I would not have believed you. Yeah. <laughs> so, but here we are. That's shocking. Yes, yeah. it is. And I like this movie a lot. A, this might have been my favorite viewing of it. I haven't seen it as many times as you have, but yeah, I, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. All right. What what are we watching next week? Okay. Um. So we have another opportunity to see a classic in the theater. Uh. So Charles and I are going to see The Searchers at the Metrograph on Thursday. Um. That's our movie for next week. Unfortunately, Crossman cannot yeah, watch it on Amazon. Unfortunately, so you'll, you'll have to go watch it on your computer like it was meant to be seen. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be seeing in 35 millimeter um so it's a, another western classic um if it weren't I, I i hesitate to pick a western again uh so soon after watching tombstone but this is just rare such a great rare opportunity uh, so. such a great movie and we gotta get a good it, one in right yeah gotta yep. get a good one in and seeing it on the big screen on 35 millimeter i can't say no okay. so well, circus I'm, I'm jealous but you, should, you ought to be yeah i'm looking forward to watching the movie anyways okay so thanks for listening everybody and we'll see you next week